Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and back to discuss Psalm 62 with me is Aaron Antone. So grateful to get to talk with Aaron as we discover early on, I had not realized that Aaron's actually written a song based on Psalm 62. Throughout our conversation, we explored different aspects of the psalm from what it might suggest for our own political leaders today and what it might suggest for us about power, what it means to receive God's unfailing love, and what it means for us to pray the psalms together or to sing the psalms together. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I trust you will too. To get us started, here's Aaron reading Psalm 62. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the low-born are but a breath, the high-born are but a lie. If weighed on balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion, or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. Aaron, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Matt, thank you for having me. You're pos- always happy to, to speak psalms with you. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. Your posture is also stellar this morning. <laughs> oh, right. I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm upright and engaged. It's <laughs> yeah, very impressive. Shoulders I'm up, I'm like, oh, down. man, okay, yeah, better. Yeah. We're bringing our A game That's here. That's right. That's right. Okay, well, there's so much momentum here. Shall we just go right in? I think so. Aaron, what stood out to you in reading this psalm? Well, I have to say, Matt, I really love this psalm. Yeah, it's a good one. This is a favorite of mine. And so I, and it just happens to be that yesterday we sang my version of this oh, yeah, at yeah. church. So this is quite a fortuitous timing. And I wrote it like a few years back when sort of it was uh, speaking to me and my family personally, kind of based mm. on some stuff that was going on. So yeah, so I kind of connect that, this psalm with that memory, like every time I think about it. You know what's kind of remarkable about that is I did not invite you on realizing that you'd written really? a psalm on, oh, yeah. on Psalm 62. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, it, you know, hopefully every day it gets a little bit more likely as I write more <laughs> psalms. Right. <laughs> well, this worked out great. Yeah. Okay. So what stood out to me? Well, I, I, I think what stands out to me is this. I mean, there are a lot of things we'll, we'll talk about maybe, but sure. this the verse three is like one of my favorite. It has one of my favorite so- phrases in all of the psalms, the how long phrase mm. it feels like one of those phrases that's kind of throughout and it's got this just this sense of long it almost feels rhetorical but it also feels like no i kind of actually want an answer on this god <laughs> <laughs> like i'm in a bad i'm in a bad way and i can't like this can't last forever if you yeah. need me to be faithful mm. 
So that's what stood out to me kind of this time on reading it. And I think actually when I wrote my song version, that yeah. was also kind of a big piece of piece of what I took from this song. Right. And we'll, I should say, we'll link to a place where people can listen to your song version. Oh, great. In yeah. the in the notes of this episode. <clears throat> it's interesting that you go to a phrase that's kind of repeated in other psalms because that, that was one of the things that stood out to me too. You have sort of this, truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken in verse two, mm-hmm. which just felt like here's the images that are just used over and over yeah. and over. Yeah. And the more kind of negative piece of me is like is this just like kind of recycling <laughs> you know you found cynical you sort, of, you sort of found your chord progression that works and you just keep using it for the next then the next then the next because really i went back and in so we're in book two of the psalms right now and book two begins at psalm 42 and here's just psalm 42 i say to god my rock psalm 43 you are god my stronghold psalm 46 god is our refuge and our strength Psalm 57, in you I take refuge. Mm. Psalm 58, be my fortress. Oh, wow. Psalm 61, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge. Like, yeah. over and over, yeah. these images come up. Well, you know, as a musician, I will say that I think, like, repetition is key in the music world. It's key to, well, it's key to music in terms of both melody and, I think, lyrics. Yeah. So, but, and what I, th- what I think is one of the valuable things about repetition is that you do like it goes through it goes i think there are cycles where you're like okay it's this again it's this again and you Mm. tune out but then there i think are points in the cycle where you kind of dial into it in a different way or you see something that you didn't see before yeah so for me like as an example so i actually also keyed into this word refuge and i thought of it it's yeah it's a word that i don't think we use very much outside of biblical contexts but I liked it in this psalm because I felt like it was a place of not only like my first instinct is okay, it's shelter. Like there's you're you know there's an attack going on and right. you you need to be like shielded. But I also this time thought thought of it as a deeper place, mm-hmm. like a place of not not just a protection but of knowing, like a place where you are known by God. Hmm. One of the questions that this prompted for me is these repeated images is why this set of images? Because there is something about these images that at least I grew up being taught to think about my relationship with God in very personal terms. Yeah. Sort of either as like a, a friend, I mean, not quite a friend, sort of yeah. a friend plus or, but like, like that kind <laughs> of comfort. <laughs> I don't know what exactly it's supposed yeah. to be, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. very personal. Right. And these these images are very much leaning on a sort of protector, like someone who's so much bigger than me. Right. Someone who can help me. But, this isn't walking hand in hand on the beach. Right. Yes, that's yeah. so good. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, this is not the God of a quiet time. You know, growing up, right. that was like the term for the sort of devotional time you spend with oh, God. Yeah, it's like sit time. down, have your quiet time. Right. Read your Bible. Yeah. Uh, just spend time with God, like over your warm cup of coffee. Like yeah. that's not the image, and but these images are so constant. And I mean, one thing that I just noticed is, I mean, these are the images that are meaningful to a people who are in trouble, like you said. Yeah. And a word like refuge holds. It's not let me rest with my yeah warm cup of coffee and right. the sunlight just streaming in. It's we're on the run, or right. these people are coming against me. Right. And they're meaningful images in that respect. But then even as I thought more, I really like what you're suggesting here, and maybe we'll get into this more as we explore some other questions, is these terms, though, they aren't 
anti-relational terms. Okay. Yeah. You know, like rock might seem like kind of <laughs> a little there. bit stoic. But oh, they're yeah. so much rooted in the rest of what the Psalms are saying, including sort of where the Psalm kind of lands in some sense that God is both powerful and a God of unfailing love. Yes. And his protection is flowing out of that. So right. the repetition, I think, just like you said, you kind of, there's sort of the, you can hit the monotony of repeated images, but then sometimes it's like you find a different flow state or whatever. Yeah. And I found, I found Psalm 62 to have some of that for me in this book too. Oh, cool. So I think about, I think about the, like the plight of uh, refugees in yeah. sort of a modern and global setting. Right. And like, it's, it's one thing to desire shelter from, from an attack, which is like, again, like the first part of what a refuge would do, but then to think that, okay, so, but now that you're, but it's not just like a, a dark, damp, like bomb shelter or basement or mm. something with canned food around. It's a place where you are welcomed and loved and known. So it's like, maybe it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, instead of a bomb shelter, it's, you know, like a cozy cottage in the woods or something <laughs> i'm not sure exactly we're really but, but like, we're really exploring a whole set of images here yeah today. yeah but, we're yeah. just adding to the That's imagery good. but but i but i like that idea of a refuge being not just an escape from something yeah. negative but like a movement into a place of yeah of joy and belonging right yeah belonging was the word that was coming to mind too mm-hmm. for me Shall we ask our second question? I think we're going to keep maybe looping around some of these things okay but what do we learn about god or what do we encounter about God in this psalm? Well, David tells us right in the last two verses, I think. Uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) So it's a little bit of a cheat, but I'm curious kind of what you think about these two verses. Mm. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. And then in quotes, power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. So that's thing one that David has heard. And thing two is you reward everyone according to what they have done. I think it's interesting. I think that last verse, I want to say it comes out of nowhere, but it doesn't really because he kind of talks about the verses, a couple verses ahead, did not trust in extortion or Mm. vain hope in stolen goods. That's kind of, I I always think, well, what was going on in his life where that was irrelevant? You know, like super on his mind, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. So there's a, there's this definitely like this underlying, like earthly possessions kind of stuff or Mm -hmm. earthly uh, things of this world. Yeah. So that he, so he uses those last, last verses to kind of like push through that and see something deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I was really captured by the balance of power and love too, in that first kind of statement. Yes. And just in terms of how we think about power, it seems to me like outside of the parenting relationship, we typically decouple power and love. If this makes sense. Oh, okay. I like this. Yeah. So it feels like as parents, we we understand like with your kids at times yep. you have to sort of hold some degree of power yeah but the way we frame that is it's always for their good <laughs> yeah i i mean in healthy circumstances right. obviously right i mean there's many counterexamples, but the, the sort of goal is that it is for their good everything you do for them if is out of love yeah and f- but because you do those things because you have that power. And sometimes that even may be counter to what they want. But it feels like when we're talking about power in so many other dynamics, like love just falls to the wayside. Yeah. Like if I think about political power, yep. I don't often hear us talking about, well, how our politicians should represent us is by loving us well. <laughs> 
like the president it's sad that that's so funny but that's the kind president of... like the president of the united states his job is to love every yeah. person in the country as yeah. well as he can <laughs> Like, it just seems totally bizarre to us, right? Like We can barely way. comprehend them paying attention to us. <laughs> right. And yet, like, that decoupling feels, like, so problematic. Yes. When you, when I saw them put together here, I was like, it, yeah, this is it. Because yeah. it's not only someone having the ability to do something, not, but the ways that that power then is directed is so predicated on your disposition towards the other. Right. And it feels like the psalmist here is making the point. In fact, in some sense, it's these other people that are attacking him are seeking a kind of power. They're seeking to topple him yeah. from his lofty place, right? right? In order to sort of gain for themselves. But they're, so they, they are seeking a kind of power, but there's clearly no love oriented. And they're contrasted them with this God who has power and love. And I, I just found that, like, if this is, if God then becomes a model of how we are to think about power and wield power, then to think about it and to bring it back together with love, I just thought, oh, yeah, that is what God does. Yeah. It was really helpful for me yeah. as I thought about that. That's great. I love that. Yeah, I love that observation. And this is how, I mean, going back to parenting a, a second, I mean, this mm-hmm. is how I I want to parent, or this is what yeah, I yeah, see yeah. good parents do well, is to couple those two things together. Yeah. yeah. We are called to be like the father when we talk about like going back to the prodigal son story right mm-hmm. so this is what the father does right it's he's a place of refuge yeah yeah, yeah. that's beautiful tie-in and i think too that that really matters that first statement really matters when it comes to the second one i think i had the same reaction as you like it feels like a bit of a non sequitur at the end yeah almost at like on a first read you're like okay power belongs to you god and with you lord is unfailing love that's where I expect the psalm to end. Yep. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, and by the way, you reward everyone according to what they have done. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. uh-oh. Like, oh, no, is this a works-based thing now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it has, I think, for, especially for us, like, it can have that flavor. But again, I think here, like you're saying, there's a particular context in which the psalm is being shared. And then when you read it through, okay, God's power working through his love also means that justice has to be engaged with. Yeah. And that here when there's people working both against God and sort of his anointed, that cannot be ignored. Huh. You know, I I just, it's just occurring to me that that reference that you reward everyone according to what they have done is, could also be referencing these folks in verse four who are right. intending to topple the psalmist yeah, and, yeah. and taking delight in lies. I think that's surely, that must be a, a significant part of it because isn't that then why the psalmist can rest in God? Right. Like, right. in other words, if God's not going to do anything about it, essentially, yeah, yeah. God's not going to make this right, then he's not really any kind of refuge. Right. At some point, the shelling will stop. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. To put a fine, a fine, relevant point on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And that, that then is a fuel for hope, right? My hope comes from him. Yes. Which I think so often, even a phrase like that, it's easy to make it about ourselves where yeah it it feels like some kind of works righteousness or something like that and it feels foreign and distant and confusing and how does grace intersect with this but i think usually it's more helpful to think about those kinds of statements as a seeking after god's justice yeah which all of us have a yearning for and not it doesn't dispose of god's love nor dispose of his grace but yeah it's the hope of justice not to pile on a new observation but i I think you just keyed into something that that i really liked as well and that is that that this place of refuge is also 
you talked about faith being sort of an individual, like mm. one-on-one kind of thing. But yeah. this is this is very very clearly this refuge is a place of community as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour yeah. out your hearts to Him. God is our refuge. So there's obviously a lot of sort of one-on-one language that kind of pops up in the Psalms, but I did love, yeah, I love the idea that this is, that that place of refuge is also a place of community. Yeah. I think that leads us nicely into how the Psalm helps us to pray. And maybe I'll go first, because I was thinking along those lines, one of the interesting things to me in the Psalm is the ways that it is holding multiple things to be true kind of at the same time. So there's that particular phrase where the invitation is to pour out your hearts to him, to the people, to the community, mm-hmm. is at the same time in a psalm that has this individual moment of truly my soul finds rest in God. Or uh, another translation of that would be my soul waits silently for God. Yeah. So you have this contrast of my soul waits in silence and the people are pouring out their heart. Yeah. But then you have these other interesting contrasts of like, the psalmist seems to identify himself as this leaning wall, this tottering fence. Right. And yet I will never be shaken. And one of the things that I just was thinking is like, <laughs> you feeling like these... a tottering fence. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking it's interesting. You know, sometimes I kind of think that there's some, uh, something really helpful about what I think of as sort of praying till you make it sort of, in other words, kind of praying a way that you don't feel that brings you into a different place. Hmm. If that makes sense. But, I also think that sometimes it is just true that we are feeling multiple things and that there are multiple things that can be true. Sure. Just the reality of like, whenever there's light in our reality, there's shadow. Right. And those things are both true at the same time. And this Psalm to me just felt like permission giving where... To be complicated human Exactly. And for us to feel both hope and despair and for both those things to be present in our prayer. Yeah. And for us to not feel sort of bifurcated and weird. Right. uh, But that to just be part of our reality. Because I think sometimes it's like we can feel like our prayers have to have a trajectory or they have to be moving somewhere or they have to be sort of united in some way. Right. And Psalm 62, just some of those like what what feel almost like kind of contradictions as the psalmist is kind of working through these things. I just felt like, yeah, that's that's part of prayer. We can bring kind of both things. Right. So. And maybe I'll add some more things to yeah. the things that we can bring, because not only we're like a complex set of emotions, but we're also a complex set of people in terms of being an individual and being a community. Yeah. So one thing that's really compelling to me, if I go back to the how long in verse three, how long mm. will you assault me? And I don't know enough about original translations, but I think that probably the first first person or third person language is really important and probably well translated. If you how long will you assault me? Yeah. Feels very, feels like something everyone can sing. And I'm going back to singing because I think that I use that, you know, that first person in my psalm, my song yeah. version of the psalm. And I, I think there's that connection where we also, yeah, we can, we can sing and pray this as first person uh, singular, but also first person plural. That's yeah. what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is exactly what you've done with your own song version, right? You've written a song that uses first person singular. Yeah. But then the invitation is for a whole set of people to sing it together. There's this convention in songwriting, especially in hymns, where I used to hold more steadfastly to this, but when you would write a song, if you're writing a song for a community to sing, you have to use that plural language. It's not me, it's us. And and so anytime it would be like a me, it would stick out. Well... That's true, I think, with some stuff that happened in the 90s, like musically. Okay, it's trying yeah. to get nerdy about this, but 
That's um, interesting. And I think still is happening to do, today in terms mm-hmm. of uh, you and me, God, you and me, God yeah. kind of stuff. But with the Psalms, there's the, there's a there's a genuine place for for crying out to God in terms of in in the first person yeah. singular. So it's really interesting to think about that, even in terms of those verses sung in a group, because suddenly you can imagine a church setting where one person is sitting on a right hand side and they feel these words powerfully about someone sitting on the left hand side of the room. <laughs> you know what Throwing I mean? A stone thrower. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. how long will you assault me? And it's like. I'm talking about that person over there. Like, why? Like, how long will they assault me? How long right. will you assault me? Right. 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 Um, our relational dynamics are complicated and are present even in this psalm and in the singing of the psalm as yep. a kind of group of people. So, so I think the way to what we learn about praying is that we can bring all this to our prayer. Yeah. Right. Our, our full complexities. Yeah. And we don't have to be resolved in sort of, okay, I now know how I feel about this. Yeah. Before yep. we come, yeah, come in prayer. Too. That's a helpful observation for me on the psalm is to realize that we don't, are not coming to prayer or coming to to sing a psalm or say a psalm with one emotion in mm. mind, and they're not they're not black and white even within the same psalm. So right, yeah, yeah. Aaron, anything else on Psalm sixty two? No, but I really like this psalm, and I'm glad I got to to talk about it with you today. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad the Holy Spirit led me to you. <laughs> for this conversation it feels it kind of feels a little bit that way because really i was not i was not thinking oh aaron's written written one on psalm 62 right i was just thinking oh i haven't talked with aaron for a little while right so right and this was and again we sang it yesterday which was sort of in the works before yeah. you invited me today so well it's a gift thanks for thanks Amazing. for your time and Happy your thoughts to be here well, let's conclude with this refrain from the psalm verse six and seven truly he is my rock and my salvation He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms.